Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So we left off the last episode with the, not really question, but theme for the for today's episode. <laughs> Name at least one, if not two or three, numbers that if retired league-wide would piss off the most people. Number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine, revolution number nine. Retire mm. from Gordie Howe and watch people in Montreal go apoplectic. <laughs> Just blow their minds. Did you say Montreal? I certainly did. Huh. <laughs> did, I, did I lay that curveball over the plate far enough for you, Pat? Yeah, because I mean, I could just say, uh, let, let's talk about number four. Oh, mm-hmm. let's just talk about number four. I mean, if you really want to rekindle the Boston Montreal rivalry, should they ever be allowed to play against each other again? Because it's not happening this postseason. This might be a, a good way to get get there again. I'm going to be the Montreal appeaser, but I'm going to be the the person who pisses off the uh, um, the goalie fans. Number one, retire number one for Jacques Plant because like pretty much every goalie that's ever existed has used the number one at least one time in their career. I swear. Hmm. I mean, because four and nine are obvious. One, maybe not so much. But you still have your Jacques Plant, which is who I was thinking of. But then, you know, scroll up the list a little bit. There's Roberto Luongo. There's which you know might be a stretch for some people, but I, I would still you know could could be um, Glenn Hall. Um, George Vesna, Johnny Bauer. Yeah, you know, I mean, there you pick pick a name. Number one, it's gone for everybody. Apparently, Rogi Vachon. I didn't realize that. The amount of number switching in the '60s and seven, you know, mostly the '60s is astonishing. Well, you know, it was a swing in '60s, right? It really wife, was. You got wife swapping and number swapping, so you know. But enough about hockey. Mm. I was going to say enough about the Flyers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The Flames. (laughs) Well, and I think that, you know, some of that is partially why, right? Mm -hmm. I think if, if I don't have it in front of me, but I bet you if you went and looked at when the numbers were swapped, it was around that time of expansion. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Rogi. He he, uh, was on Montreal up until 73. Or I guess seventy one is when he was traded to L.A. and he had three different numbers in that period. Yep, I'm gonna avoid. So all you have to do is pick one and retire at lead league wide for one guy, and you would piss off instantly like twelve other teams and all the goalie fans out there. Nah. As a member of the goalie, a card-carrying member of the goalie union, um, meh. <laughs> Thirty-five was always my my goalie number of of choice. Although I did like to wear twenty-seven, because once upon a time I thought that was non-traditional. And then we get to number nineteen, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. <laughs> there are the no. two obvious names but then given how regional this this crazy league is you're going to get some weird conversations from certain fan bases case in point how pissed off would Shane Doan fans be 
even though that's a number that's going to be retired by their team first. It then has to be re-retired for a different player. I'm sipping on my tea, by the way. Oh, epic. Epic. Yeah. I I mean, how are Vancouver fans feeling about Marcus Naslin? You're leading me to it. You're leading to it, too, I know. How about... Montreal fans <laughs> and Larry Robinson. You're halfway there. Halfway. Oh uh-huh. boy. Uh, let's see. Brian Trottier. Um, nope. No. No. Nope. I mean, it. It's not the the big two, right? I'm, I'm. Are we talking Joe Thornton here? Nope. No. Who who I'm obviously missing someone. You're missing two someones. Who had one of the best rivalries in the last forty years? Uh, uh, right. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, they, they, they were the obvious ones that I kept saying. Yeah, they're the two obvious ones, but But you want you want to rekindle that rivalry a little bit, don't you? Retired for second. It's retired for Eisenman. It's retired for second. It's retired for Eisenman. Robinson, shut up! You know that kind of thing's going on. Uh, Sacking Eisenman. Sacking Eisenman. Sacking Eisenman. Robinson. <laughs> and Nick Backstrom just sits quietly in the corner and doesn't say a word. Well, and then then way off, way way off in the distance, you go. What about Shane Doan? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> So I have another one that's going to like annoy people, particular teams. I'm going to go with a, a quote unquote non-traditional number 77. <laughs> we have Ray Bork, Paul Coffey, Phil Esposito, Victor Hedman currently wears that. And uh, Adam Oates, Pierre Turgeon, TJ Oshi also currently wears that. <laughs> now, if memory serves, Chris Gratton was awarded how many heart trophies once upon a time? Mm. Four, I think, before he was drafted. Yeah, I mean, he's got... He, he put a lot of miles in on that number. More than Esposito... I want to say pretty close to what Bork did. Ah, see, I don't think so, because Bork gave it up pretty early. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's just Chris Grant and probably switched teams so many times yeah, during the yeah. middle of the year that they kind of get, that gets thrown in their choice. Yeah. Sim- similar to coffee. Yeah, because he didn't really wear 77 until after he left Edmonton, didn't he? Exactly, because everywhere yeah. else, 7 was retired. It was retired yeah. in Philly. It was retired in Detroit. It was retired in, well, I don't know about Pittsburgh. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, Carolina? <laughs> no, I think he just, Hotford, I think he just <laughs> fell into 77 because the other teams that didn't have it retired, somebody on that team already had it, and he didn't feel like giving them a car or a rot. Or a watch, mm-hmm. or, you know, a small sum of money to get that player to give up their number. So he's just like, screw it. Nobody's wearing 77. I'll just keep it. I mean, as long as it gets Adam Oates to enter the chat, too. Um, could prove interesting. I mean, say, Phil, say they retire it for Phil Esposito. 77. He gave it up. He gave up seven to be retired for Boston. I don't remember who who that was off the top of my head. Anyway, <clears throat> so they retire 77 for Phil Esposito, league-wide. Victor Hedman currently wears 77 for Tampa, which is the team that Phil Esposito helped set up. And so where did Tampa Bay fans stand on that? Phil Esposito's number is retired, but now Victor Hedman can't wear it. I would almost, 
infer to a certain degree that a lot of Tampa Bay fans kind of forget Espo was part of the group. Yeah, he was he was doing color commentary for uh, but, 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 I mean, the radio see, for a long time. Yeah, but they don't see him as part of the team that brought or part of the organization that brought the team there, right? They don't often see him as part of the ownership group because I think we're in that that. No, he has a statue out front of the arena. Hmm. Bill Esposito does. <clears throat> so some fans certainly, you're 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 right, but you know anyone that goes to the arena looks at the statue and they're like, "Who's that? Oh, that's Bill Esposito." <laughs> Why do we have an ask? Why do we have a statue of Phil Esposito outside in Tampa? He was just our collar guy for a number of years. Oh, he's right. part of the ownership group. Didn't know that. Learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I think when you go down that path, it just becomes. Yeah, I don't care. You know, they can retire. Right? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. There's there's not that ingrained passion that you know. I'll go back again to the Iserman Sackick, right? I mean. You've got the GMs. They're, they're the GMs of those teams again, right? And and they're you know they brought them the biggest success in their in their franchise history, and their their legend is wide and deep, and you know they're mythical entities. All anybody in Detroit wanted after Eisenman retired was for him to take over for Ken Holland immediately. No no delay. Eisenman's going to save us, you know. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of the same thing with Sackick. So. Yeah, I, I think you got to have a little bit of a, a legendary status to get that fire going. And see, I kind of don't think Robinson has it with Montreal. Because he bounced around and did so many things afterwards. He's never been that one franchise guy, right? I mean, he coached for the Blues. He coached for the Sharks. He coached for the Kings. He coached for the Devils. He played for the Kings. He played for the Sharks, you know? Well, that's a very logical argument. And as we know, sports is full of logic, well-reasoned arguments, and fan bases wouldn't, you know, use revisionist history to make a point. (laughs) Which is exactly why the Minnesota Wild might just be completely outraged at Cassie's suggestion over number one. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. I think that might be a bigger fight than this number 19 in the states of Colorado and Michigan. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's probably a little bit true. All right, l- let me rephrase the question. Which number could there be an answer for, but is also the biggest coin flip? And is it number seven? I mean, you tie seventy-seven to seven, right? Because <clears throat> you like do. You Paul Coffee. <laughs> you have Phil Esposito having that retired for him in Boston. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tim Horton in Toronto, uh, Rod Gilbert in New York. Whew, I mean, Igor Larianov in San Jose, am I right? <laughs> Neil Broughton in Minnesota. Lanny McDonald in Toronto. If, Chris, you know, Chris Chelios in Chicago. Some other guy in Toronto, because they have to <laughs> retire a number multiple times over. Well, so does Montreal, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, Gary Roberts in Toronto. There, there, there it is. There's a third name. Curtis so Decision? We... <laughs> Brent Seabrook? <laughs> I know I know. Chicago fans would love to retire that right now. You mean the player? Well, the jersey and the player can still be in it. Isn't he kind of already retired? <laughs> Probably. Oh, it's one of those playing retirements, like uh, yeah. like what's his face did in Vancouver. He's he's ripped, right? Retired in place. 
<laughs> Speaking of what's his face in Vancouver, let's look at number 11, shall we? <laughs> I was hoping somebody would get down and do this one. <laughs> oh, how much fun would that be? I mean, the league's given him pretty much everything else, right? Exactly. You I know. mean, yeah. I uh, and- Sorry, Cassie, really quick. In listening to this, one of the Steve Dangle podcasts last week, Steve brought up a great point. You know, that he has a trophy named after him because of what he did when Gretzky wasn't there. <laughs> right. Yep. He only won two cups without Gretzky, but be- because he won two cups without Gretzky, while Gretzky was still in the league, he became the greatest leader ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how silly Gretzky was. I'm doing this just to annoy Pat. <laughs> to peel back the curtain a little, my son, my eldest son, and I had a long uh, academic discussion over the merits of, of Wayne Gretzky. And I was, I just delivered straight facts and his jaw dropped on several occasions. And I haven't even gotten to the 200 point seasons yet. As well. It should drop. Gotta save it for another day. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. So, so they should retire number 11. For um, Anze Kopitar, Gilbert, Gilbert Perot, Gilbert Perot, Gilbert Perot, um, because that would piss off everybody who likes Mark Messier and make all of the Vancouver Canucks fans totally gleeful in a in a Schadenfreude way. <laughs> well, wasn't. And wouldn't it also be a, a dig at the uh, sort of a self dig at the league though? Because yeah, because they've given did, him everything, like you've said, and well, he doesn't get that. No, I was talking. I was talking about Gilbert Perot. It'd be sort of a self dig uh, at the league if they did it for him, because wasn't that that was the anch- crown and anchor wheel lottery? Spin the wheel. Who gets the first overall pick? And they thought it said number one and it said number 11 and so that's why he wore 11 God, i always get that story turned around let me go let me go to this magical repository of information and you guys talk amongst yourself he was he was drafted first overall in 1970 Mm -hmm. yeah okay yes that was it so yes so, ha, 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 yes, yes, the infamous story, Clarence Campbell spun the wheel, thought it landed on one, but the wheel didn't have a number one spot. So he said, Vancouver's one, because Vancouver had the numbers one through seven or something like that, and or one through six, and Buffalo had the rest of them. And because the way the, the numbers were on the wheel, he didn't see the second one, because it was that sort of offset you know one's higher than the other he just thought it said number one so yes okay i was correct so clarence campbell awarded said you know vancouver had won when in actuality it landed on 11 and buffalo won and that's why gilbert perot won number 11 so i think that'd be fantastic because it's a self-dig at the league (laughs) there are currently 19 teams with uh um players that wear number 11 just so you know not my problem. That's their problem. I know, right? <laughs> I'm I mean, didn't time. didn't Toronto have players change numbers during their season when they think. did when they put everything up in the rafters? However many years ago that was. Can you do it in the middle of the season? Well, because I remember similar to what Ray Bork did when he switched to seventy seven for. Phil Esposito. For Esposito's retirement ceremony, I remember at least uh, um, James Van Riemsdyk having to switch at one point. I believe this was around uh, uh, 
a Mitch Marner's rookie season and the whole why can't he wear 93 thing because no one realized they're going to retire 20 numbers all at once at a certain point. And Van Riemsdyk was wearing 21 at the time and switched to 25. And I'm sure three guys had their name honored with that, except for James for making the (laughs) ultimate sacrifice for the betterment of Toronto. Anywho. Oh, some guy named Boreas Alming were it for for the Leafs. Mm. My apologies. The the team who? (laughs) Um... The Toronto St. Pat's, you know, uh, the favorite okay. team of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Not the Aretnas. <laughs> um, <laughs> only on the weekends, I believe. Oh, okay. Mm. That just... I'm purple X. I didn't think you could change... I didn't think a player could change their uniform number in the middle of the season. Yeah, it happens all it, the time when like it, a veteran player gets traded to a new team. Oh and yeah, duh, stupid Patrick. Really happened this season without a trade being involved. Uh, Derek Stepan in Ottawa started the year wearing, I believe, sixteen. Uh, typically, he'd worn twenty-one with both the Rangers and the Coyotes, and I don't know, two, three weeks into the to uh, whenever we started back, maybe early February, he he got a swap for 21 again. It's very bizarre. See, that would be, I get that's a question for another day, I suppose, but that would be, 21 would probably be the only number if they retired at league-wide for Forsberg that no one would complain about. Because I'm looking through like the 21s that have ever played in the NHL and you've got there's Stan Makita Chicago fans might Boris Salming Toronto fans will well Toronto fans complain about everything well yeah Yeah. Brent Sutter no (laughs) um and Guy Carboneau. Really? That's kind of it. And Adam Oates would probably re-enter the, this, uh, this chat room because he wore it for multiple seasons in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah, it, yeah. if he doesn't like what he sees, he is going to talk about it. One of these you days, know, if he wants to, go ahead. But you know, <laughs> one of these days, I want to see him retire ninety-one. Oh no! <laughs> right Chris. after nineteen, nineteen yeah. and ninety-one, right at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Yep. Well, for certain teams, need to retire ninety-one before the league can do it. But that's a battle for another day. I'll say it again. He's not in. The, he's. I've not found him in EA Sports NHL 21, and that chaps my hide. Are you serious? Yeah. I have not found him anywhere in here, and I've got. I, I, I'm saying this as I'm kind of mucking around with my hut team right now, um, because I have ADHD. Oh look, Nashville just got a penalty. Um, Squirrel. <laughs> Live in-game scoring update at 244, uh, remaining of the second. Nashville 2, Columbus 1. It is 1334 on February 28th. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they, it, it's, it's, uh, it's making me a little bit mad. They, they're doing this. They have these themes that go on for like a week or a couple of weeks where if you do certain challenges and collect certain cards, you get these special cards that are themed. And players have um, updated or, you know, like peak level stats for when they were players, right? So they've got a style icon one going on right now. So they what they consider, you know, some of the most fashionable players throughout the history of the NHL. And you can buy these 
packs of cards in game, and they've got little themes for them. Um, and one of them happened to be the White Skates pack. And I'm going, oh. And okay. he's not in there? <laughs> How okay. can you have a White Skates pack without Fedorov? Right. So, the, you know, there's the Tinted Visor starter pack, the, oh. the Lip Lettuce style pack, and the White Skates pack, right? And I'm going, okay. That's so that a means, trifecta. Right. That right means Fedorov's. Fedorov's got to be in here at some point, right? There's Fedorov's got to be in here at some point. Nope. That's that's just outright bias. Well, it makes me wonder if he's got something set up with the with his own image and likeness that mm-hmm. you know, because there are players that sort of co- copyright themselves to a certain degree. For their own mm-hmm. marketing purposes, and, and oftentimes they'll have to be excluded from certain NHLPA um, ventures, you know, because the NHLPA doesn't want to screw around and try and get written, written authorization from them or something, like like the Alumni Foundation type crap. Because mm-hmm. if I go in and look at the Detroit Red Wings, you know, all-timers, there's Lidstrom, Eiserman, Chelio, Sawchuk, Lindsay. Shanahan, Del Vecchio, McCarty, Abel, Larionov, Howe, you know, Jimmy Carson, Probert, and no Fedorov. I mean, for crying out loud, Reed Larson's in here. Yeah, he's got to have, like, all kinds of crap trademarked. That'd be something he would do. Yeah, Alex Del Vecchio, Ty Conklin for jumping Jehoshaphat. Well, I mean, they've got to... Pay tribute to all the uh, outdoor games in a way that doesn't just showcase Chicago. He's worthy inclusion. This is true. But Bernie Nichols showed up now. Bernie Nichols. Right? <laughs> so Bernie Nichols, Bernie Nichols got added to the old, the old game. So I, I keep waiting. You know, Shane Corson got added and Bill Ranford. So I keep waiting. I'm like, you've got to have better off in there at some point please for me i love you <laughs> please please but it screw my whole team up my whole team concept which is the 99ers where everyone is wearing number 99 so mm-hmm. anyway um where were we oh yeah the dream gap tour see how i did that i have a dream of getting Fedorov in the game and it's there's a chasm between me and that dream, but the Dream Gap Tour is happening. Ah, anybody else actually kind of excited for this game today, especially after seeing, um, oh God, now her name, the name escapes me, her mask, her New York theme. Patty Rooney. Thank you. With the subway lines on there. Oh, that looked so epic. The uh... So epic. The infographic fan in me just loved it because I love different subway mass or maps, M-A-P-S, and just kind of the cool designs that some, you know, pretend to be, um, you know, organized metropolitan areas kind of have their stuff together in this whole mass transit thing. Don't start me on the whole map thing. Don't do it. If only we knew someone who had massive amounts of experience in cartography and things like that. Hmm. 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 We've got a fan and an actual professional. And then there's me. They're useful, and that's good enough for you. (laughs) I I didn't want people guessing as to which one was which. (laughs) Now I have to go looking up the mask. I didn't see it. Oh, it's pretty freaking cool. Here, I'll I'll cover this. I've got it all ready to go. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm down for it. I'm completely down for it. So let me 
No, I, I, I still like certain public transit maps. Let me put it to you that way. Just the details on this mask. Just just the way they have a little, a couple block letters in the uh, style of New York City stops. It, it's just it, good touch. It's just, yeah, I love it. Yeah. You know, I say brav and O to them. Oh, but one thing I'm just noticing since I'm not staring at this on my uh, phone, there's some sponsorship on this mask. Of course there is. Oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about the CCM logo. No, no, I, I know. I know. Got to pay the bills. Got to pay the bills. Somehow. Women can't play hockey for nothing after all. Damn Skippy. Yeah, it's just my new thing lately. <laughs> yeah. Are you waiting for me to like comment on the mask? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm staring at way too much. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I think I think we've lost Pat to like you know George in the bathroom with one of those 3D posters. <laughs> Man, I really just you know I I think if you do just slightly put your eyes out of focus, Pat, it becomes a 3D object. All right, Cassie. Now that he's gone for the next couple of hours, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Uh, gosh, I don't know what happened this week. <laughs> I've been sucked into my own like drama with my car being um, iffy, so <laughs> I might have missed some things this week. I don't know. Some coach got fired, but other than that, nothing. What? What? This is news to me. This oh, is the and, first and I am hearing about it. There's a Babcock thing, right? Oh, there was a whole Babcock thing, right? Oh, my dear God, please, no. <laughs> there was, but it was just him making everything about himself. And uh... Well, I just thought it was interesting how there was an article about Bruce Bordeaux thinking that he'd be a great fit for the Seattle Kraken. And then a couple days later, there's there happens to be Babcock going, look at me, look at me, waving his arms around and jumping up and down. And, and I'm like, huh, you're not looking to land that cracking job either, are you? I will say this. Uh, even though there have been, uh, how do I word this? I don't think they're that stupid. I hope not. Simply because um, the backlash, right? Backlash. And he's repentant. <laughs> He's not repentant. He's I said just, unrepentant. Oh, yeah, well, oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear the un part. So he's Mitch Mitchelling or Mitch, or whatever that kid's name is, that also decided he needed to do a reclamation tour without actually apologizing or showing any receipts that he's not the racist D-bag that he was when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. But enough about Tony D'Angelo. I'm sorry. God, I said the I said the quiet part out loud again. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, so now we have three NHL coaches or former NHL coaches that um, the Seattle Kraken are not going to hire, right? Probably not. Let's hope not. Right? <laughs> They're not hiring them, right? I'm gonna... I hope not. I hope, okay, hope Babcock not. will not be hired. That's. I believe that is a given. That is so cool. That is anti-Kraken at this point. Correct. <laughs> and not to mention, uh, Ron Francis made that mistake once. We just found out about... It was purely a, a mistake years later. Mm-hmm. Boudreaux 
No, but that could be fun. But I don't no. know if I want to deal with all the Slapshot references. Oh, dear God. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's a lot of, yeah. I mean, I realize that this is an expansion team, and probably, almost certainly, in fact, they're going to get a an NHL head coach retread. Because it is <clears throat> more because they have they have to follow Vegas, basically. No one's expecting them to do as well as Vegas did in their inaugural year. But at the same time, they want to have a good showing, and that means that they're going to probably want to know, want to have a known qual- known quantity in a coach. That would be my assumption. So. I mean, you know, probably not not Babcock, <clears throat> but I could see Boudreaux. And I, I would say it's not going to be Claude Julian because uh, he likes the East Coast too much, apparently. Yeah. And he's getting the Rangers job once it becomes available. Before he returns for, for his third and final appearance in Montreal. A, Montre- a former Montreal head coach actually coaching in New York City. That seems so strange. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have to change any of the colors of his equipment, right? That's mm-hmm. true. I have, I don't know, I have this really weird feeling. And this is just one of those psychic type things because I have ESPN. Um, psychotic, I mean psychic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, psychic. Six of one, twelve, <laughs> six of one, twelve of the other. Um, I got a weird feeling he might end up in Columbus after the season. Um, I don't know what it is. I just have this weird feeling that Claude Julian's going to end up being the bench boss in Columbus because Torts' contract huh. is up. I think Tortorella has run his course, and you know, I love him. I think he's, I think he's a lot better coach than people give him credit for. Um, but he has a shelf life. He a does. lot of coaches every, do, yeah, but he yeah, does have a shelf life. Almost every yeah. coach has a shelf life, right? And yeah. you know, we're at I think we're at that point with this Columbus team that um that I think they'd probably benefit from someone like Claude. I don't know, I just had this weird feeling. You know, I don't think they're uh, you know, even if they're out of the playoffs, I don't think they're going to fire Tortorella. They're just going to eat the contract the rest of the season and let it be. But they are—they obviously aren't going to extend him. And you know, they can go talk to Julianne right now and just sort of let everything, you know, fix itself. Speaking relatively, fix itself at the end of the season, and then bring him in to start the next season. Mm. I don't know. It's—it's it's this weird, weird feeling I have. Now, personality-wise, yes, they're completely different. But coaching style-wise, is would Julian do that much differently to benefit the Blue Jackets? I think he might. So he he makes everything five-on-five gold, but. If he doesn't have scoring talent, it it's kind of all for naught. So he he lives and dies with special teams. Doesn't that sound like a so lot many, like Columbus right now? I was gonna say oh, like Columbus so many Knights. coaches do. <laughs> no, honestly, no. Um, hmm. And the reason I'm gonna the reason I'm gonna disagree with you it's not because it makes good radio. Um, is because Tortorella tends to to not. I mean, he's he's obviously changed, but he tends to be a little bit more conservative on five on five, and I don't think this five on five systems allow some of the offensive. Uh, not allow. I don't think some of his five on five systems encourage the offensive pressure like Julian's do, right? Because okay. if if you look at comparatively. The two teams, Montreal 5-on-5 was like, you know, they were a machine this season. They just had bad goaltending. 
I said that out loud again. Um, <clears throat> and you can't really, you know, would you say Montreal is like head and shoulders talent wise above Columbus? No, they're kind of on the same level, right? If you went up and down their lineup, they're not too dissimilar. You know, I would give, I'd actually give the edge to Columbus and, and obviously having line a and Roslovich has found his game and cam Atkinson's pretty good. But, you know, their defense is, I think, a step above Montreal's defensive core. You know, not, not the top two, but like all six of them together. So, you know, oh, it's this weird feeling. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm buying into this. I can see it. I'm still convinced he's going to the Rangers because they're New York's going to do the we got an inexperienced coach so let's go get an experienced one and nepotism but I don't mind that now nepotism you said NHL <laughs> you said John Tortorella does he coach again Probably. I think, I yeah I think he's found I think he's found a new style that works better. I think he's evolved a lot more. Um, I think he still rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and maybe you know maybe he takes some time to cool his heels, and you know evolve from what he's you know evolve from his learnings this time. I would I'm gonna say I wouldn't. I'll say this part. I wouldn't hate to see him as a coach of the Kraken. Because I think he is a very structured coach. And with a raw team, that's kind of something you need. Right? You're going to get 20 guys that have never really played together, you know, in the last five or six years. You know, because they all play together in junior and minors and crops. And they've all played together at some point. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, they've come from a lot of different systems. You know, there's, there's not going to be um, a massive amount of high-end talent. You know, I think the highest-end talent is going to be William Nylander. I said it again. Mark my words. He will be exposed by Toronto, and Seattle will pick him. Because they are running him out of town. And they need to do something to clear up cap space to fix their other issues. And there's no way they can change Pajama Boy or trade trade Pajama Boy. Can't do anything with Marner or, or Matthews, or there's going to be a massive revolt. Everyone wants Nylander out, pretty much. So there you go. But you know, I don't. I don't know. I I don't have the same feeling about him in Seattle as I do about Julian and Columbus. But I wouldn't hate it. I mean, I could see him there too, but I think it's more likely that that he like sits around for a year, six months after you know, like mid-season hire kind of thing, or the following off-season hire. Because the one he, thing that go I was going to say, he's going to do the thing he should have done when he left the Rangers. And right. what ended and, up benefiting him when he was hired by Columbus early in the season. Right. So I think there's the one thing that you can count on with the NHL is that they love people that have won the cup, no matter who they are in Torts has. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, he's, he, he knows how, he, yeah, it was 2004, but he still won the cup and, and he's still a winning coach. And so we want him on our team. Um, yeah, hockey men love hockey men, right? Mm-hmm. What's familiar and and all of that? They like known quantities. So, but since you mentioned he he might need to take a break, here's my sneaking suspicion with Seattle. I don't think they hired the marquee names. I I think they're gonna go for a quieter coach. I'm not sure it's going to be a first 
it might be a first time NHL coach. And that's what I'm thinking too, is that they might, I'm, I'm thinking that they might just go with like, you know, a new face. I'm thinking my suspicion as of now, there was just a management change in Pittsburgh. Mike Sullivan's probably on solid ground, but they brought up their AHL coach, Mike Vellucci, to work as an assistant this season. Mike Vellucci was the AHL coach of the Charlotte Checkers prior to Ron Francis's dismissal in Carolina. He worked with him in the front office. He was an assistant GM. I could see them going under the radar with the first head coach because you don't want the coach to be the face of the franchise. At least I don't think that's what Seattle wants to do. But I could see, let's say things don't work out after three seasons and if Tort still has the itch, he, I could see him being the second coach in Kraken history. So... Going along with the face of the franchise. William Nylander. (laughs) No, actually, I was going to go further up the food chain. So I I don't know how comfortable he would be, but the biggest name in the franchise could just be Ron Francis. He could be the face of the franchise because, you know. It's not like they're going to get a lot of quality talent in the expansion draft, very likely, because expansion well, drafts, usually that's the way it turns out. <laughs> I think they're going to get some talent. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be four lines of second and third round guys again, kind of what, what Vegas was. And you may find some diamonds in the rough there. So the Montreal Canadiens, but kind with the of. better defense. Yeah. And a better goaltender. I yeah. said this. I said the quiet part out loud again. God, I loved your dismissive little chortle there a little while ago, Cassie. <laughs> so about the William Nylander thing, you don't think it's going to happen? Um, no. So I think that is going to happen. I totally agree with that. However, I don't know that they're going to try to market him as the face of the franchise and instead might just use Ron Francis since he's already recognizable and he's already been around town and he's going to be the face of the franchise. Yeah. (laughs) I know he has the nickname, but he he doesn't have that personality. He's he's going to be... Lywicki is your face more so than Francis. Francis, we joked and called him Fort Knox Francis because he is quiet. He doesn't do many interviews. He doesn't say much publicly. He'll tell you some stuff after the fact. And that's why the idea of a Bruce Boudreaux personality seems like a good... uh, you know, meeting in the middle where he can actually be the one that does all the interviews because everyone kind of loves him, whether he's the right coach for the situation. Yeah, probably not. So I don't know that putting Ron on the, on the frit on the posters after the expansion draft, having him do all the radio hits is, is going to work because you can't say Gallant was that. No, Ron. Ron has been unbelievably backseat when it comes to media around here. Unbelievably backseat. Yeah, and that that I, is I've, by design. Yeah, especially with him, right? I mean, mm. he does a couple here and there, and it's mostly you know like with um, uh, King Five, the TV mm-hmm. station, you know, or they'll they'll sort of do a sit down that gets rebroadcast across the other stations, but he has been very, very backseat. I've heard more from Forsland and Everett Fitzhugh and Alex Madricki than I have from Ron Francis in various podcasts and interviews and stuff when it comes to the franchise. You know, you'll get some quotes on the on the record from Francis and kind of like mm-hmm. you were saying, Pat, it's sort of like Fort Knox. He's like, yep, 
you know, <laughs> if it's anything more than a sentence, you're you're doing pretty good with him. But yeah, I mean, he. I don't know. Um, I don't think they're going to market him as a face. I think they want to play. I think they will want a player and or a coach, something to get the fans excited about the team versus the guy running the team. I want to bring up a weird name. Uh Be interesting for a coach. Steve Connell Walchuk. How was he like How did how did they like him? He did a good job with them. I think he was pretty well liked down there. You know, he he left to step up to to the NHL, right? Um, I mean, it was he wasn't fired from the T Birds. Yeah, he he left to go be an assistant in Anaheim, and then proceeded to get canned after they canned their coach in Anaheim. You know, the whole staff was relieved. Mm-hmm. But he's just sort of banging around as a scout right now. But you know. Maybe there's still a desire for him to coach. You know, maybe if you know, maybe you bring him on as an assistant. And to your point, Pat, maybe you know he's the give, get his feet wet as an assistant in the NHL again. You know, with his franchise, and after you know a year or two with whoever you, the lamb to the slaughter is your head coach. You replace him with Kano. There okay. you've got your history, right? I could see it. So there it is. Tortorella comes in, coaches for two years because, you know, again, short shelf life. Kano's his assistant. Kano takes over. There we go. There it is. <laughs> and done. Okay. All right. So who's sending the memo? I am. Well, we'll all, all right. we'll all, you know what? We'll all just read it and down goes Brown, down goes Brown article next week, right? Because he's just going to listen to this and go, hey, that's a great idea. They pretty much wrote it for me. I'll steal it like I did their other stuff. You I'm should sorry. just promote our podcast and just. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. We subscribe to the Athletic. There's nothing else we can do for you, Sean. <laughs> Except give you, like, uh, article ideas. So. Our question of the week, or as I'm going to start calling it, our fodder for other people's articles. <laughs> allow me to present one this week. This is going. This is going to be kind of a hot button, weird top, weird question. I wouldn't expect any less from you. I know that's because I'm good at these things, or not good at these things. One or the other. You can evict one player from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Who is it? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.